everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Draws in Spanish, a podcast that showcases the creative journey of notable Latinx visual artists and designers. I'm your host, illustrator, podcaster, YouTuber, Fabiola Lara. Today, I'm sitting down with the incredible Mexican designer and illustrator, Lila Miller Espinosa. Lila is a Brooklyn-based designer by way of Monterrey, Mexico, who works with some next-level clients. She is currently the digital design manager at Parkwood Entertainment, aka Beyonce, and runs her own newsletter titled Bonita Semana. I am really excited to get to talk with her, given her proximity to Beyonce and her super interesting and unique trajectory into the design world. Okay, let's get started. Let's go. Thank you so much, Lila, for being here on this episode of Draws in Spanish. I'm so excited to have you. And I don't know if you know this, but you're like the first more designer that we've had on the show. Usually we've had people who are a little bit more just illustration. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you're a little bit more designer than illustrator. You know, your balance there. What do you think about that? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. What an honor to be the first more design heavy guest on the podcast. I'm a huge fan, first of all. Oh, thank you so much. Definitely, I wish I did more illustration, but I do more design. No, don't worry. We'll get into that. Before we get into all of that, including illustration, for the listeners who aren't familiar with you, can you do a quick introduction about yourself? Yes, of course. Well, my name is Lila Miller Espinosa. I'm Mexican. I was born in Michoacán in Mexico, the south of Mexico. And I currently live in Brooklyn, New York. I run a newsletter in Spanish called Bonita Semana. It's a weekly newsletter for female or non and non-binary people to like get a good like start of the week. And then we do some like recommendations and curate art and music and Instagram accounts. A little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, correct. And then on my full-time job, I'm a designer. I do freelance design, but I'm also full-time <laughs> designer at a production company. Perfect. And I love to start these conversations back at the beginning so that people can understand like where you come from and have a little bit more context about your story, right? So that way they can maybe see themselves in that or just have a better understanding. So Could you tell me about where you were born and raised? I know you said Michoacán, but just tell me maybe a little bit more about that time. Yeah, so I was born in a tiny, tiny, tiny town in Michoacán called Erongaricuaro. Sounds like it's very difficult to pronounce. Erongaricuaro? Erongaricuaro, yeah. 2,000 people live there. It's tiny. My Both my parents were born in Mexico City, but they wanted to have like a more like a slow kind of life. So me and my brother were born there. And then when it was time to go to like elementary school, there was some family pressure there. So we moved to Monterrey, which is a big city. So we grew up there. And then I went to school for psychology, like behavioral psychology. I don't know. I just thought that I liked that. <laughs> Did you like it? I liked it. I definitely always was drawing as a kid and like doing art, but I just didn't feel especially... In Mexico or like Latin America, it's just art and design are not something that you can make a good living or at least that's how I felt coming from that city that's more like industrial and there's the success is put more into like technical things and not the arts. Do you have any memories 
of being young, like any art or, or craft projects that you used to do as a kid? Oh, well, we used to draw a lot. And I remember my dad had, oof, I don't know the name in English, but in Mexico, we call it Caja de Luz, but it's basically to do animation. So it's just like, or you put like, you put a piece of paper and it's, you turn on a light bulb so you can like copy things or like make, you know. So I remember just having fun. I just thought that box was magical. And you made like little, little animations, like three frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like little animations, just having fun with that. And, and my mom and my dad kept everything. Like we still have all my drawings that look so creepy, but. I love that. That is so cool. You should make a Bonita Semana newsletter about those drawings. I bet there's something really good there. A few years ago, I had the, I went to like a Today at Apple kind of workshop. And I definitely had those in my presentation. Like, hey. How did your family feel when you decided to pursue a career in the arts? Right? Because as a designer, that's... They were excited. Actually, my family is very artistic. And my dad was a designer and my mom is an historian, so they're more like social sciences and intellect, intellectuals like that. So they were really, really just excited. I was the one who was rejecting it from like seeing like, oh, we don't have any money. <laughs> I don't want to repeat this pattern. That's so funny. So you went to school for, for behavioral psychology, even though you had an interest in art, like you said, as a kid, you just decided to be more practical. I was like, I know we don't have any money and I want to have some money. <laughs> so let me be a therapist. They're rich. I don't know. <laughs> I was 16. <laughs> I love that. That's so like level-headed of you. But I feel similarly. I went to school for advertising and because I was just like, uh, I can't, um, you know, I have to be smart about it. And like seeing my friends in art school and being like, I don't know what they're going to do after this, <laughs> you know, so I was being practical. So I understand where you're coming from, but that's so cool that they were still on board, right? Because sometimes like after you get a degree, you did you feel like you had to use it? Oh, definitely. My first job, I was a fourth grade teacher. I don't know how that's related to psychology, but apparently it's something you can do. And then after that, I work at a hospital with like patients and everything. Wow. But I was... I was just sad. Right. You, were, you weren't feeling that like fulfillment ultimately? Yeah, I was feeling like something was missing and I couldn't figure out why. Because even in college, like I was going to school for psychology, but I had like the afternoon to do like little crafts or like I would like draw a lot and or like make t-shirts. Just like I had a creative outlet. But when you're work, working full time at like such a formal setting too, like hospital, like I was wearing the the scrubs. Wow. You were in it. I was in it. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I have to know more about this. Okay. So you graduate with your behavioral psychology degree. Like you said, you're a teacher, then you work at a hospital. Please connect the dots from there to designer, which is where you are now. So then I was feeling bad. I was like miserable. I'm like, what's missing in my life? And I was hanging out with a group of people that were very creative and we would do like some like geeky talks on Fridays, like uh, like a like kind of like a PowerPoint party situation. Okay, like the five minute PowerPoint type of thing. Yeah, but okay. it was about they were like arch architects and designers, and I was like, wait, 
they're like making the same amount of money that I'm making. And they're like, you know, they seem really happy and they're doing all these cool things. And so I started learning more about tech. Like that was my getaway to design, more like on the UI, UX part, because I started hanging out with people who were making apps and stuff. And I was like, wait, I can kind of do that. And it relates to behavioral psychology a little bit with like flows and patterns of what people are going to click on and, you know, color theory. So there's a link there. So that was happening. And then I had a boyfriend at the time who was an architect, but he was doing kind of like UX design. And he was like, hey, I'm going to start applying to get a job in the U.S would you go with me if I get a job? And I was like, sure. But like, I didn't really think you was going to get anything. Right. You were like, I guess. What a hypothetical question. I was like, yes, yes, I believe in you. And so he got it like super fast. He like three months later, he's like, guess what? I got a job. I'm like, what the hell? And he like left immediately. And then I was in Mexico like, mm, I already said yes. Oh, and then what sealed the deal also. So Something very important to clarify is that I, I was very privileged in that I went to get my visa, my tourist visa, for, I was like, maybe I'll just go visit him for like, you know, two weeks. And then while I was doing that tourist visa thing, the girl was like, actually, you can get, this was before Trump, also not notifying. She was like, actually, you could get citizenship because my dad's family is American. And I was like, okay, like I didn't even know there was a possibility or like something that my nobody in my family knew or were interested in pursuing. So we're like, that's wild. Like, okay, I'll apply. And they gave me, like, they gave me a passport. Like, okay, double citizenship. Wow, that's so exciting, right? Because you're like, maybe I'll consider it. And then, you know, you still have to go through the paperwork, but it's like very easy. Exactly. And also very like, it's so, it, the difference is like, in men's when you have a passport and you can just get a job like I can just get a job at Starbucks now I don't have to you know be subject to like a visa so I was like okay can I cannot cannot ignore this opportunity that, that I have now and it makes it so much easier too because even for more entry-level design jobs they don't have to sponsor you or anything like that right it's like an easier chance yeah, or like an internship. I mean, you can do it. You can do, which is like very unfair and like sad to think about. And also very arbitrary because then my brother tried to do the same thing and like they didn't give him the passport. So I'm like, I'm like, well, don't move anything because I'm already here. See, he did it after the election. So I'm sure like, yeah, it's just very subjective. Maybe he should try again now. I know. <laughs> now that Biden's in and, and you're in, right? Like you're in, so they can't take it back. <laughs> My mom was like, they could, like, you never know. I'm like, I don't know. They can't take it back. I don't think they could take it back. It would be a lot. I mean, because who's the citizen on in your family side? So the citizen was my dad, but he wasn't born in the U.S., so he also got it through his parents. Oh, but his parents then were, yeah. were citizens. That's yeah. fine, yeah. I feel like most people, this is like a really big generalization that I'm about to say, but I feel like most Americans think that people in Mexico are like dying to come to America, right? And this paints a different picture of like, not everyone is trying to come to America, right? Yeah, definitely not. Like my mom was like, why, why, why are you going there? That's crazy. Don't go. Like, she's very also, 
you know, anti-capitalism, anti-America. Like That's enlightening. And I think it's good for people to hear that point of view because I feel like, you know, here the media doesn't show that, right? It shows like everybody in Mexico wants to come to America. And it's like, yeah, calm down. Like not everyone is trying to come over here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... You fall into the citizenship, which is incredible and amazing. And I stumble upon a passport. Yes. Uh, what a dream. And then you come to the U.S. What happens then? So I move here and then immediately huge like culture shock because also it was winter. So New York is very cold. Those years it was colder. I feel like it was 26, 2015. And he was working all day. Like he would go to the office, work all day. And I didn't have a job. And I was like trying to like apply to jobs. But I also didn't want, I couldn't be a therapist. Like that was out of the question because you need a license or like go back to school. I was like, okay, I don't even like it on the first place. Why would I? That's important to note too, because if you had been able to work as a therapist here, if there was some sort of transfer, then maybe you would have just done that. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of cool. The, the falling of the passport and coming here and being in a new scenario pushed you to follow your dreams? Yeah, exactly. I love hearing those moments exist because everybody thinks you probably were feeling pretty crappy at that time. No, I was feeling bad because also, you know, you I went to college. I had like a respectable job. And then moving here and the language barrier, like I grew up, we grew up like going to Texas once in a while or going to Austin for concerts and stuff. Um, and I never felt like, oh my God, my English is terrible or something. But then here, I don't know why I did. Like I was, I was like embarrassed to order, you know, food at a restaurant. Yeah, that's a lot of culture shock. Do you have a specific memory from that time where you felt like super like an outsider, like a foreigner? I don't know if a specific moment. I just remember being in that apartment alone, like snow outside. And I would like call my best friend in Mexico or like speaking in Spanish. Oh, you know what it was? I would do something that I didn't do in Mexico, which is like I would play a radio show that I would like sometimes listen to on my way to work. And like I would find it here like online. And I was like just like listening to Tonyo's. Sonia's Kinka is called. It's like a bad radio show. That helped you feel at home though, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is fine. This is Mexico. And so I started interviewing for literally any job that I could find. I didn't feel qualified to apply to a junior designer role, even though like I knew the tools, but I, I mean, I've never had a job of that. I'm like, no, who am I? And then I, I was taking, you know, a bunch of Skillshare classes. Amazing. I used to do the same thing too with Skillshare. Back when Skillshare was, you pay per class. Yeah. So it was like lettering, you know, it was like 2015. So I feel like lettering was top of the game. And then I, I started interviewing for like office manager positions because I was just like, okay, I have no money. Also, I moved here with no money in my mind. It was a lot, but it wasn't. I love that. I feel like you have to be young to be able to pull that off. I had $1,000 and I was like, this is great. This is it. Yeah, yep. I my, love that. My life saving. But you also, you had a boyfriend. Yeah, and he had a job. He got like he had a, a good job. job. Yeah, a tech job, you know, like. A, you had a little bit of wiggle room, you know? Yeah, but I also felt horrible that he was paying because so, okay, so like the opposite happened when we were in Mexico. I was like the breadwinner. Okay, so this was a shocking dynamic for you too. Yeah, like he didn't have a job in Mexico. That's why he was applying here. And then I was like, 
I got you. Like, I'll pay for dinner. And then we moved here and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Can you pay for dinner? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> oh, that's hard. I laugh now because I think like we know that you've you've made it now. But, you know, that is a hard low point to be, I think, especially I don't think people realize like, yeah, you can have like an entire other life in a different country. And then you come here and it's just like taken away from you. Yeah. And like I had all my friends, you know, like from high school or whatever. And it was a it's a big, big city. So it was yeah, it was it was hard. And then I finally three months later, <laughs> which to me felt like forever. Now I'm like, I three months is nothing. Yeah, you should have been relaxing. Right. You should have been enjoying it. I know. Like I should have been like going to a museum every day, but no. I was just like <laughs> Skillshare. And then finally I get a job at at a tech startup called Time Hub. It's uh, it's an app, it's still out there. And, and so I get a job there. I get a job there as an office manager. It was like a tiny office, 15 people. And I was just like ordering food on like, I don't know, Amazon or like Fresh Direct and then putting the, <laughs> the drinks on the fridge, which was like, it was fun, honestly. Everybody, I love everyone that we're still friends. But to me, it was like a little bit, I don't want to say humiliating because it wasn't humiliating. It was just weird. Like, I was like, wait, I'm not using my brain enough. Right, right. Because before you had a job where you use your brain, maybe you had a little bit more, I don't what's the word, like stature or something? Yeah, like, it's like a status thing too. It's like, it feels, it's weird. It's very strange to be like on a professional side and then going into a job where like people don't look at you the same. Like people... And I'm not saying that people that work at Time Hub, but just like, you know, people that work in, the, in that building or just being like, ah, what do you do? There's a lot of pressure in New York, I feel like, to be like, your personality is based on where you work or what you do, which it sucks, but it, it makes you feel inadequate. Like, ah, I'm an office manager. <laughs> right, right. Definitely. Especially coming from being a psychologist in your home country and then people perceive you differently here because you're, quote, just an office manager, but really you have all this other experience that they don't know. So that's hard. So how did you make it from office manager to designing at TimeHop? Because I believe that you designed there, right? Yeah. So I was there as an office manager, I feel like I, for a year. And like I said, everybody was super nice. It was like a very close culture and they, we were all the same age so actually this girl who was the, the head of I think it was like head of brand partnerships or something one day she like comes up to me and she's like hey I've seen your Instagram like you have really good a really good eye something like that she was like I think you have really good eye do you think you could help me make some mock-ups for a pitch like to pitch to a client and I was like oh my god yes I have nothing to do because I already did my 15 minutes, you know, things of work. <laughs> and so I started helping her doing little mock-ups for pitching to Starbucks, pitching to Netflix, just like, ah, this is how it would look in the app because the, the designer didn't have time to do those things because he was like busy doing UI. Um, so I started doing that. And then we started actually like selling, like those deals were happening. So after a while, I was just like, okay, so they cannot deny that I'm like, a junior designer. Yeah, you have graduated. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started doing like their Instagram, little things that they would give me. I was just like so happy. At the same time, I was also still do doing office manager because I don't know why. <laughs> because nobody took that away from you, right? So you're like, 
this is what I'm getting paid for to be the office manager, but I'm doing this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, that's so hard. Okay. And so that was happening for a while until one day. Somebody noticed or something. <laughs> well, the CEO was like, something was happening too where we didn't have, there wasn't a lot of money coming in. So the actual designer was getting paid a lot of money and they couldn't keep him anymore. So I'm like, I'm one of those immigrants who like takes your job because they can pay me less. Right. Yeah. But you're a citizen. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Not the misconception, right? Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. They're like, ah, she's a, she's a woman and she's, you know. We can pay her less. She's desperate. Yeah. So then that that was it. Like I, I was, now I was like the sole designer. That's crazy. I feel like that always happens with startups, like, or maybe not startups, like just smaller companies, like somebody leaves and that's when they're like, and now you're the head of the department, <laughs> but because there's only one person. I literally remember when, you know, when he, the, the designer left the company, we were all like, what? And then I was like, wait, who's going to do? <laughs> so who's doing it now? Right. And they're like, well, you are. And I was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Does that come with, you know, a race? Yeah. And no more like you're going to hire the office, a new office manager. Uh, What a weird place to be. I mean, unfortunate because that's how they can exploit you a little bit. But also you took the opportunity and it was useful for you made it work for you and you needed it at the time. So a hundred percent. And I was also it was those years were intense because I, I was feeling very I mean, I still feel very insecure because I didn't go to school. So I definitely have like that imposter syndrome thing going on, like, hi. <laughs> and so during the weekends, I was just like taking all the courses that I could and like reading, reading. I mean, it was fun-ish, but now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I could have been, you know, having, I was like mid-20s. <laughs> right, right. You're like, what happened to my life? Well, it paid off, right? It paid off. <laughs> it paid off. So tell me about where you are today. So I was working at Time Hop, like I said, then something really, really big happened in my life, which was my dad passed away. And so I went back to Mexico for the funeral. And then when I came back to New York, I was feeling kind of like weird, weird all around. And I wanted to find something to connect with Mexico while I was here. And everything that I could find was like meaning content, like online content. I didn't really love it. So I was like, oh, maybe I can... Obviously, the first idea is super grand. I was like, I can create like a platform for women and like, it's going to be amazing. And they're going to... An app. Yeah. Yeah, it's an app. And then you create your account and then la la la. And then uh, obviously it's impossible. I mean, not impossible, but it's really hard. You have to start smaller. So I started this newsletter called Bonita Semana. And I started alone, literally made my mom subscribe to it. And like my two best friends. And then it started growing and... Two girls like wrote, Matt and these men and wrote, and they're like, I love this. Like, can we help you? We want to write too. So I'm like, yeah, welcome. And they became like part of the team. Um, and we've been doing it for four years. It's crazy. Just like consistency. <laughs> wow. I love to hear that because, you know, I have this podcast and it's, you know, brand new at this point. And I'm like, I'm excited to see what is going to happen in the years to come. And so when I see that your project has been ongoing and so consistent, I'm like impressed and excited. I'm like, I need that. And I'd love to see it. Bonita Semana is a really big undertaking as a newsletter slash blog, new content every week, all the time. 
So how do you balance the work between Bonita Semana, your full-time job? I think right now we're pretty balanced and we know each other and we know the community really well. So that's very important because we're during the week, we have a Slack and then we're just like adding things there, like just like dropping it, like boom, there's here things. And then I go in during the weekend, like surf through that and I can do a little curation of, I'm like, okay, this one works. This one will maybe let it for next week. And since it's a newsletter and it's like slow internet, as I like to call it, it's not content that you have to be consuming, that it's like, if you don't read it today, like it's over. It's more like if you have time during the week, you can read it. So it doesn't really matter. It's not like a news podcast where it has to be like, pa, pa, pa. Daily. And how many people do you have now working with you on Bonita Semana? It's me and then it's Matt and it's Menen. They help me with writing it. And then Carissa helps me with like more like marketing. We have like a partnership with somebody. And then Anna helps us with some illustrations sometimes. Amazing. That's cool. I love to hear that there's more people working on it because I'm like, it inspires me personally, right? Because like uh, with this podcast and with everything that I do, it's like so by myself. And that can get so, it's not only like a lot of work, but boring too, right? Because I'm like, Fabiola, what do you think about this? Sounds good. Check. <laughs> There's nothing happening. <laughs> and yeah, I like that's how I was. I feel like for a few months and then now I'm like so happy. Yes, that's amazing. Oh, incredible. And why did you decide to create Bonita Semana in Spanish? I just felt like there was a lot of content in English that I liked. I was getting a lot of newsletters that were super nice, like Girls Night In or the scam, even if it's like news-based, but I, I still liked it. And I just felt that there was like a hole there of content in Spanish. I was looking for content and I was going to these dark websites with a bunch of pop-up ads. And I'm like, I don't know, we deserve like clean content and like that is beautiful and that it's like more modern for women and fun and not invasive and more more positive also. Yeah, I, I I feel like it can be very outdated. Even even now, like sometimes my whole life is in English, like especially because I'm in Philadelphia. It just feels like everything in my life is in English. And when I try to find the things in Spanish that are cool, I'm I'm in a super old website or I'm just like, where are the people, the like new people doing this? And if you're not, I feel like if you're not in those Spanish speaking countries, it gets harder to find it. And I feel like people are consuming, people in Mexico who like would like this content are consuming in English and it's not the same. It's not the same. It's like, even for me, like I would, I remember those first years that I moved to New York, I was like getting home and I was like, I have a headache and I feel like it's because I'm translating everything in my head. It's not me. It's not me. Like, are these words, words that I would use in real life or are these words that I just like listen to? I heard on a TV show and I'm just like, now I say like, that's fire. But like, would Lila say that? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I'm glad that you're creating that in Spanish. And I feel like, especially for people in the US, it's hard to find like cool content in Spanish that feels like normal and, you know, not like translated. And one day I hope that I can make a version of this podcast in Spanish, but that feels like two podcasts, so I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it yet, just yet, but you definitely inspire me to push that side of it. I have to figure out how, but one day. I want to ask you, 
So I feel like you are super chill about this. And I feel like it shouldn't be that chill. But you are the digital design manager at Parkwood Entertainment, a.k.a. Beyonce, all things Beyonce. So can you tell me how you got there? How you made the leap? Because you're like, oh, I have imposter syndrome. But I'm like, "Mm, but Beyonce says it's okay. That's right. (laughs) Approved. Okay, so I was working at Time Hop, and like I said, making a lot of friends, which is something that's very important and something that always opens the doors. And the world is really small, and you're always going to run into people that you work with. So, Especially in New York. It's so small. Everybody knows each other. And so one of my really close friends, Keenan, one day he's like very secretive, and he's like, hey, would you like to have like a freelance job? And I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, I go to his place and like, he didn't tell me what it was. And then I go and I'm like, wait, what is this? Why are there like, you know, Grammys? (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then, so I go and I interview, like, I'm really nervous, definitely. And they're like, yeah, we'll call you back. And like, I was like, okay, it was just fun. You know, I was just happy to be there for the interview. And then five months later, I'm in Mexico for my birthday and they call me on the phone. I answer in Spanish because I'm like, ah, I'm waiting for my friends. I'm like, bueno. <laughs> They're like, Lila? Like, I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, hi. Like, it's all the interview, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I'm in Mexico. They're like, can you come into the office? And I'm like, oh, I'm actually in Mexico. And they're like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Like, we'll make you the offer on the phone. And I was like, ah! And I was like, mom. And my mom didn't even know. My mom was like, who's that? I'm like, okay. Oh my gosh, your mom didn't know who Beyonce was? No, and then she's like, <laughs> I Googled her. Like, yeah, like, okay, looks cool. That's incredible. So you didn't know for five months? Did you even know what the position was? I knew that it was like a design, graphic design, which was also weird because I was I was doing more product design. But they're like, yeah, digital design. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Wow. So y- your life changed when you came back to New York. You were like, I have to quit. I have to quit. I have to go. Yeah. Two week notice. I'm in Mexico, but two weeks start now. (laughs) I did feel bad that I was like on vacation. I came back and I was like, actually. Goodbye. No, that's classic. That's a classic move. I feel like everyone does that because even when you know, you have to take your vacation anyway, if you're not going to get paid out. So everybody has to do what's best for them. Okay. So now you've been at Parkwood Entertainment for, for how long? It's been... Three years. Oh my gosh. Three three incredible years with Beyonce. Can you tell me like a project that you've worked on for um for Parkwood or for Beyonce Knowles Carter herself that you're most proud of? Yeah, of course. I feel like Ivy Park, it's one of my favorite things ever. Just like working super closely also with the Adidas team. It has been great because they're super smart. Obviously, the process is amazing. They have it all figured out. (laughs) And then we just bring the vision to life. So just working with the digital team on that. It's like the opposite of a startup. Yeah, the opposite, but also more creative too, in a way. And like figuring out, you know, during the pandemic, it was crazy because all the photo shoots had to be taken care of and make a crazy amount of videos. And then translate that into web, but make it not boring and make it, I don't know, people get really excited. So it's just about how can we make people more excited? Right. Oh, I feel like there has to be a lot of pressure because everything Beyonce does is such a big deal that how do you deal with the pressure of like, 
or do you feel any pressure creating on her behalf or for her brands? Pressure, yes, but also everything goes through like her eyes and eyes of the creative director, so it's fine. Like it's not like I'm not gonna just be putting something out there like just me, you know. It takes away some of that like fear because somebody's gonna. It's not gonna be a surprise. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Amazing. And I have to ask this. I absolutely have to ask this. Have you ever met Beyonce before? Yes, I have. <laughs> it's incredible everything that you've done, and I think that people who feel the same way in similar positions where they have gone to get a different degree, but they've always been creative, like you said, and don't know how to like get there. You're like such proof that if you still like are hungry and you're still curious and you stay on it, like it's possible. You don't have to stay in your lane if you don't want to anymore. Yeah. And like, honestly, you can change as many times as you want. Like you're going to change to illustration. Like, I would love to change the illustration for sure. Or like, I would also love to have like a coffee shop. Not that I don't want to talk more about Beyonce, because I, I definitely could. But I also want to talk to you about, yeah, your illustration work and, and like those creative things that you're doing with Bonita Semana. So do you think that uh, you approach illustration and design differently? Like if you have an illustration project or if you have a design project, do you like go about it a different way? I've never actually thought about it, but I think I do. I think with design, it's more like, I guess with illustration too, but in my brain, it's like with design, I can just make a million different options for a screen and it's fine. I, any of these will work. It depends on what we want and we can decide. I can decide with other people. But for illustration, I usually what I do is I do illustration for Bonita Semana because it takes a lot of the pressure of being like, this is Lila doing an illustration. So I kind of hide behind that. I'm like, I don't know. It's Bonita Semana. Nobody knows. It's a ghost. And so I feel like I can be more free and just do one thing. And like, if I like it, that's fine. And I don't have to be making like a million versions. Sometimes I do because, you know, we want to change the colors or try different things or like a different brush. But usually it's just like, this is great. Nobody's going to know it's me. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a really good way to get that, like, to experiment without feeling like it's so personal all the time. Yeah. I feel like there's a pressure for me also to have, like, an illustration style because you go and see, like, people who are doing illustration professionally and they have definitely, they have a line or they have, like, a color palette, they work. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. Like, I don't know what's mine. And I feel like I don't do it enough to have one so I can just play around. I wonder too, do you feel like because you're a designer, I feel like designers wear a lot of different design styles, right? Because it's always changing. If illustration is kind of something that you're doing alongside, it feels like it is always can change because the design might need something different. Yeah, definitely. Because I have done some design work before and I'm like, well, my illustration wouldn't work with this design, but this kind of illustration would work. So then I just switch it. I think it comes from like, yeah, like thinking about the design instead of thinking about illustration first. You're thinking about the need of what you're making. Do you think that your Mexican heritage influences your work as a designer or as an illustrator at all? Well, illustrator, definitely yes, because I usually add some text to my illustrations and it's in Spanish. To my designs, I don't know. Probably yes, but I wouldn't know how. 
it's just who I am and, and it comes out. Do you have any influences, favorite Mexican designers or illustrators that you keep up with now? Yes. So designers, definitely. Gabriela Salinas, she's amazing. She's a service designer and I really look up to her. Just great. And then illustrators, I really like Andonella. She's amazing. Mar Maremoto, also big fan. And Ana Gomez, who's part of the Bonita Semana team. Yes, amazing. I always like to ask because I'm just like curious how people stay influenced. And a lot of times if you're in the U.S., it's hard, I feel like, to stay connected with like things that are going on internationally because the U.S. is so focused on the U.S. all the time. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like I have to dig deep because Bonita Semana, sometimes we do share like news or things that are happening and it's it's hard. Like they don't just... If you don't go look for it, it does not come to you. I realized that because I was looking for podcasts in Spanish and it's so hard to find in the apps. But then I went on the web and I looked for like the top charts in Chile and I was able to find like, they were not like in my feed anywhere. I had to like go out way out of my way. And I think that when you're in the US and you're trying to stay connected with like your heritage, it can be so hard. You have to try so much harder than anything else. So I want to look ahead for you. I want to see what's next for you. Do you have like a dream project that you would still like to work on? I mean, I feel like this is a hard question because you already work for such a big artist that people are like, that would be a dream. So what would be a dream project for you? Well, actually, something really excited that we're working on is that we're working on a podcast. Ah, for Bonita Semana. For Bonita Semana, but plot twist. It's going to be in English. And why is that, you think? Well, we just definitely want to open the audience up to Latinas who are here. Uh, also, as you probably know, the advertising world doesn't work in Spanish. Like, they don't want to pay anything for any content in Spanish. Or even if it's like Google Ads, it's like 0.2 cents for... <laughs> yeah, that's the reality. That's the reality. And I, I think for me... It just so happens that I'm more comfortable in English because I, I grew up my whole life here. But coming from an advertising background, I'm like, honestly, we have to have a big English audience because that is the only way the podcast will be sustainable for everyone. And that's the reason a lot of YouTubers do YouTube in English. It just is how the money is flowing. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely sad, but it's, it is what it is. Yeah, but I'm sure that you can find ways to convert the content over to Spanish so that you never want to alienate people in Spanish, but you also have to make it work forever. Exactly. And I feel like um, we already have the newsletter in Spanish. We can definitely do some transcripts like Radio Ambulante does with English. So Exactly. I'm so excited for that because as much as I like getting the, the Spanish newsletter, I would love to listen to an English podcast about, you know, stuff happening around the world or Latin America, but make it more, you know, easy for me to grab it. And I guess more, yeah, it's just like what we're comfortable with in the U.S., I feel. The sad, sad reality. Amazing. Bonita Semana podcast. Is it going to be called Bonita Semana? It's not. We're still deciding on the name, but, but it's going to be more about what to do after work. So more like to unwind and... Um, find value outside of work. Speaking of that, what do you do outside of work? Hi. Well, I have a dog. Her name is Lupe. 
So hang out with her, definitely hang out with my friends. Um, I don't know, normal things. Go get my coffee. I know. I I love going to get my coffee. It's my favorite. It brings me so much joy. Me too. My silly little walks and my coffee and that's it. And do you have any advice? We talked so much about this. So I want to see like what your advice straight up would be for creative people who know that they're creative, but they're looking to get started with graphic design, but they don't have, you know, the education that like like you were saying I just feel like the internet can be a terrible place but it can also be a beautiful place where you you can find all the knowledge you need so just like dig deep into into YouTube even if the video looks bad I swear those videos that sometimes look terrible are have like the best tips yeah because they're just making them fast they're just like this is the tip yeah and so start watching that so the software sadly is expensive Adobe, I think you can do it month to month. So try to do that. Honestly, something that I started doing at first was copying people's designs. I would just be like, okay, so like, what is this screen? Okay, so it's five squares and I would like do it on Illustrator or well, now now everybody uses Figma but back in the day. <laughs> and so copying other people's work. Copying for practice. For practice, for practice. Yeah, for you on your <laughs> never online, just on your computer. Yeah, those are local files. Yeah. Locals that would never see the light. Just to prove it to yourself that you can do it. I feel like that's reassuring. Like it's not magic. It's not impossible. No, no, no. It's definitely, I feel like once you get comfortable with the tools, that's like phase one. But then it's like getting that first client. What kind of advice or how did you get your first I, I know time hop was technically your first client right but how would you recommend somebody who doesn't have right you you have the skills but you don't have that first client so if you already have the skills I would say like also social media is still still a good place to be showing your work letting people know especially if you're changing careers People need to know, even though you might feel like embarrassed, but just be like, hey, actually now I do illustrations. And if you have a dog, I can do a portrait of your dog. Yeah, you have to put it out there into the universe. Just like self-promotion, there's no shame. I like, I don't care. I'm always posting my own things to my stories. (laughs) I'm the same way. I mean, I feel like when you, like with you, with Bonita Semana, I wonder if you feel this way. Like you are just so excited about it. That it's like, yeah, I'm going to tell everyone. Yeah, I'm like, this is cringe, but I don't care. Like, you subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same. I'm so glad that you feel that way because I feel that way so genuinely too, where I'm like, yeah, I have to be cringy. I'm trying to do this thing. Like, we're trying to make it happen. Exactly. So if you're changing, it's like, hey, you guys, now I'm into design. Anybody needs a logo or anybody needs a little website? Or some social media posts or whatever. And somebody will be like, actually, yes. Yeah, everybody needs it. And nobody knows. I feel like online, everyone's like pretending to know what they're doing. And so anytime that you offer help, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I'll take somebody else to help me make this yeah, better. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, everyone's faking it. So it's fine. Are there any stereotypes or misconceptions about Mexico that you have heard of or your experience yourself that you're tired of hearing? I'm just tired of hearing that that Mexicans are not professional or like lazy. I feel like it's the complete opposite. I always feel like my Mexican friends are, are, are not complete opposite, but just like 
first of all, generalizations suck. But I do know there's like some statistics about how many hours people in Mexico work and it's just like crazy hours, which is bad. And like there's definitely issue with like boundaries and communication after work hours. Just like the fact that then you're here and they're like, ah, Mexican, they're lazy. They're like, just want to party. And it's like, what? No. I know. I feel like a lot of the Mexicans that I've met or have known are the hardest working people. I don't even know where it came from. I'm like, where did that come from? I feel like it comes from those like old drawings of like a guy or like a Mexican, quote unquote, like wearing a sombrero and like sleeping under a cactus and it's like lazy. I was going to say the same thing. And I'm just like, but who drew that? I'm now I'm curious if I find out I'll leave it in the show notes I'll leave like the origin of this horrible cartoon okay and then last question how can everyone listening to this podcast support you Lila support your projects what is the best way to support you well definitely subscribe to Bonita Semana bonitasemana.com like and subscribe follow us on Instagram and if you have a brand and want to partner with us please do uh, we're always, always, always supporting like local businesses and like shouting them out. So that'd be awesome. And if, especially if he's like Latina owned, even better. And that's it. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, for sharing like your process, a little bit about your process and a little bit about your inspirations and everything. So yeah, just thank you so much for your time, your energy your newsletter I really appreciate it thank you for being here with me I know you have a full-time job so I know this is like an additional thing so thank you I, I really appreciate it no thank you so much for having me it was so much fun okay everyone that was my conversation with Mexican designer and illustrator Lila Miller Espinosa go ahead and subscribe to her weekly email newsletter Bonita Semana all the links will be in the show notes. Remember that no matter what podcast app you're using to listen to the show, you can open up the show notes and get all the links for this episode. If you want more content from me, I share art studio vlogs and tutorials on my YouTube channel every other week between podcast episodes. You can find my channel linked below or just search for Fabiolita Draws in the YouTube app. This way you can play my videos and I can keep you company while you draw or you clean your room or you do the dishes, whatever it may be. Finally, como siempre, if there's a Latinx visual artist that includes designers, photographers, 3D artists, basically any visual medium based here in the U.S. that you think I should speak to on the show, go ahead and nominate them by going to drawsinspanish.com slash nominate. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe so you don't miss the next episode of Draws in Spanish. Thank you y hasta la próxima. Chao, amigos. Chao.